Namaste and welcome to the Bharat Vartha podcast. I'm Roshan Karyapa. Well, uh, today we have a familiar face uh, joining us on the podcast, an old friend who we know and admire for his love of politics, policy and poha. Uh, but a lot has happened uh, since. Uh, Ashish Chandarkar is a counselor in India's permanent mission to the World Trade Organization. Ashish uh, was formerly a consulting leader and is a prolific columnist, public policy commentator and expert and of course uh, a badge of honor is that he is a guest extraordinary on uh, bharatvarta so without further ado welcome back ashish uh, we missed you thanks gary uh, it's great to be back on bharatvarta uh, i just had my poha which is why the recording was deep, so good, good good start to the i mean it's it's it's, it's like the repeating the old process old sundays all over again awesome so poha is in switzerland as well uh, of course you get poha when I mean, you don't get prepared poha you know oh, of course it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, folks, on this podcast, we'll focus on the workings of the government, right? And uh, now that we have uh, someone on the inside, I mean, it should be uh, especially interesting uh, to you know hear from Ashish, right? Uh, so, Ashish, let's begin with that. Actually, you know, uh, what are some of the big misconceptions uh, uh, that you know common folks like us have when it comes to the functioning of the government as such? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily characterize things as misconceptions, but just to kind of uh, level set uh, what I saw from inside, or what I mean, it's just been two months. Actually, to be fair, it's not that I, it's, I've spent a lot of time, but I think the few things which stand out is that uh, it's a very complex system. The implications of what you do or you don't do, there are huge implications, right, in terms of uh, how how something may impact uh, various parts of the country and. given how large india is that impact can be fairly uh, uneven regionally or uh, let's say by different strata of society or different parts of 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 the of the country so uh, it's a fairly complex system much more complex than how you what whatever you can appreciate from outside um, i think even inside people do have this realization that no one person can really fully appreciate the impact or the outcome uh, of of their decisions so they have to be very careful and they have to be very let's say uh, very deliberate in, in in terms of seeking inputs taking time uh, and not hastening to statement or 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 a, or a change uh, also you realize that the change, uh, let's say even from a corporate uh, kind of a setting uh, and and doing something or reversing something is much more easier than mm-hmm. what you would do in the government right what what government does obviously uh, that decision is supposed to stay back uh, stay there uh, you're not supposed to roll it back um you you're supposed to continue with that policy or 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 that intent for a, for a period of time when you talk about speed speed has to also be taken in the context of the operational difficulty that uh, unlike in corporate where you can do something and then undo it 3 days later because you think that that's not going to work out or maybe there were new considerations new data flow in later uh, in government that flexibility is slightly limited um may not be zero but certainly it's not as high as what you would see in a, in a corporate setting hence people will always bias towards prudence and and discretion rather than uh, you know immediate reactions or immediate uh, action on 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 something and i think that's i i i can appreciate that much more from inside the system than what you would typically do seeing things from outside right and uh, also it's uh, it's very important to have uh some kind of, i mean the, the the relationship between the 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 political backing and the system uh, understanding i mean the system movement is is very strong things happen much more easily when there is political back, backing uh, because then the the some of these things get ironed out right so basically if the political views that okay we will take the blame or we will take 
the uh, we will sponsor a decision or we will, we will we will say that okay fine you know you know the the the, the credit as well i mean the, the you can take the credit in the system but the blame we will take uh, if something goes wrong if that is available that 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 comfort or that cushion is available things become much more easy for the for the bureaucracy and for the system to kind of do do bigger and better things so i think that those are some of my preliminary observations so i want to stay on the corporate versus government comparisons right uh, uh, you know we have this trope of uh, you know why can't the government be as effective uh, you know in uh, driving productivity and efficiency and better uh, let's say allocation of resources and optimizing everything in a way a corporate setting works right and uh, um, you know it is of course a very naive world view i would say to have uh, but do you see that there is uh, you know, can you just thread that a little bit and uh, perhaps talk through some of those nuances yeah i think the, this view carry uh, comes i think from two historical contexts and i think this is something which i also i mean people who have been active on twitter probably might have gone through a few cycles of Uh, first sponsoring this view and then later realizing that this view doesn't really hold very uh, accurately at least in the indian context so one reason of course is that uh, in in us which is where lot of i mean lot of us grew up, up lit, lit, reading lit, governance literature from the us right and the, the when the internet group like i think lot of us essentially said reading about how things were how policy making used to happen in us and there it's a revolving door policy people come from the corporates into the government go out very quickly uh, the, the considerations there are very skewed towards let's say decisioning uh, with with a corporate uh, you know consideration and consideration in place in, in the governance system right so pe- people people think of uh, everything in terms of what they would have done in their own previous lives uh, in, in in a corporate avatar and then they compare that into what they are doing or not doing in the government so that is one reason the second reason of course is that the influence of let's say the financial services sector uh, on on the government decisions uh, economy being a major driver economy in a, f- a formal sense being a major driver not not in the sense of uh, what's what's happening in let's say everyday inflation or the prices of onions and vegetables which is more important in india in in the west what is more important is that economy itself as a ideological pivot as a driver of politics right so you you always get characterized as a libertarian or a capitalist or a socialist or a communist you know whatever the the, the descriptor be but i think those labels are far more stronger uh, and far far bigger drivers of policy making in the west which is what has actually influenced a lot of discourse in our media and social media at least at the turn of the century when internet made the the worlds come together so now i think applying this to the indian context uh, firstly i mean i mean actually i don't think there's a lot of relationship between how corporates work and how governments work or should work one reason of course the, the most obvious reason is that the, the corporates are working towards a very fairly narrow objective of profit maximization so whatever you do whether you act in a hurry or you don't act in a hurry or you you do something just in time or you prepare for an inventory you know whatever the operational decisions are essentially are have a single minded focus of profit maximization either in short term or long term or both in 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 some cases it depends on the philosophy of the industry and the company concerned so governments cannot always work in that sense because short term objectives are also important long term objectives are also important you also have to be aware of the second and the third derivative consequences much more than what you would typically do in a corporate again it's not that the appreciation is not there i think there there should be a difference between intent spoken word and the action right so in 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 the in the government case you typically talk with intent or the action you you don't speak a lot about what what's going on uh, and so on in corporate spoken words matter a lot you you can speak a lot and still don't do anything i mean you know you you can pay lip service to a lot of things and still not be held accountable for it right so some of those differences in terms of how 
corporates think and of course the other thing carries that uh, in, in the case of corporates you are accountable to uh, let's say a set of stakeholders who are your shareholders you, you can you can claim that you are accountable to the society at large and so on but of course everyone knows that where, where the red lines are i mean you know where you where profit objective or the shareholder interest objective maximization will take precedence over let's say a social cause or a, or or let's say doing something out of corporate social responsibility i think those red lines are fairly well understood in, in most corporates the in, the in the government the stakeholders are i mean first of all the entire country is a stakeholder whether irrespective of your you know political structure or who votes for whom etc i mean every citizen is a stakeholder and there are also considerations of international relationship uh, relations in certain sectors in certain areas you have to be cognizant of what what's happening around you so i think the 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 base let's say the formulation is very different and hence the speed at which uh, speed and as i said accuracy in, in in government i think accuracy becomes an objective in itself you don't want to keep doing keep doing and doing things multiple times otherwise you'll be labeled as someone who's clueless who doesn't understand what what's there uh, what, around you so i think some of those changes are very obvious and very stark and especially so in the indian context um finally i would also add that the resources which are available are also not infinite governments also have their own constraint people who are working in the in in, in the system i mean it's not that they've got access to everything at the drop of a hat or all data is immediately available the the constraints which are there in corporate are also the same in in government but the the, the negative impact is huge for for doing something wrong so actually it's a much bigger problem in that sense where where you have to struggle for i mean not struggle in the sense you have to make some conscious effort to get all the right data and write all the right information wherever possible and then act so that you don't uh, you're not seen as someone who has destroyed something good or who, who have undone something some, something good which was going on so i think that i think those considerations are very 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 stark and i would actually not draw a comparison a very obvious comparison between how corporates work versus how governments work. yeah for sure i mean aside from the operational complexities which are you know perhaps infinitesimally far more complex compared to corporate or any other field i would say when there is an element of social welfare right uh, the sabka saath sabka vikas sabka vishwas um, as the prime minister says how do you take all of the billion and you know you know uh, 1.4 billion people together on all of these schemes and initiatives and everything that you do uh, so it's it's not just about policy for policy's own sake i mean i think uh, there's a, there's a lot more to it uh, than itself right so i know we covered a fair bit of this uh, on a premium episode of bharatvarta earlier on the direction of policy making and how much of this is governed by public sentiment uh, and uh, you know a subset of that how much of it is governed by whatever chatter happens on twitter or facebook or social media right now do you have like a different perspective to it i mean having seen some some of the stuff over the last couple of months yeah um, see public sentiment does play a role carry uh, i think what is important here to realize is that uh, public sentiment said uh, twitter instagram facebook a lot of these social media platforms are driven by let's say the need of self validation or self aggrandizement where the the actors are also saying something which they may not mean of times or or but but they want let's say validation of others in terms and validation in on social media means numbers uh, metrics which are maximized in terms of views or plays or rts or likes or what will be the case on different platforms hence not every suggestion is also being made in the spirit of the the holistic uh, question whether it is practical whether it is implementable at what speed at which is implementable what what is the speed of change which a system can absorb some of these these things right so i'll give you two very practical examples like let's take gst and let's take ibc insolvency and bankruptcy code act rather now the, the change which the both of these bills uh, both of these laws brought about are, are humongous gst especially like how it changed 
the taxation system, the indirect taxation system was was humongous. But at what speed can that change be accepted in the system? Let's say, uh, you know, I'm, I think I have mentioned this in of my previous article somewhere is that when a corporate, let's say, switches into an ERP system, let's say you had a legacy ERP and you're putting up a new new ERP and there are like 10,000 users globally, you may still take like a year to stabilize it, right? In terms of implement it, customize it, stabilize it, year, year and a half is not un unheard of. I mean, it's in fact, it's a base case. Now here is a quote-unquote taxation ERP, which is uh, impacting every, every, every consumer, I mean, every citizen in the country, as a consumer and also like the number of registrations of businesses going is very high like one crore for example and they will have their own accountants and CAs and finance professionals all accessing the system at the same time the scale of that not just the technology but the scale of the process is humongous in terms of the change so how many tweaks or how many how many reforms can you bundle in in that process that that's a very deliberate question you have to answer you cannot leave it to a chance like in a, in, a, in a corporate IT setting. Let's say if you had five modules of ERP going live and they did not work, you could easily switch off one and say, okay, let's continue with four and, and we'll come back and do the fifth one in, in three months time when, when things are more stable. In a, in, a, in a national taxation system, it's not always feasible to, to do that, right? So, I mean, with, with those kind of complexities around, will will, it, will a commentary in media or social media impact a decision like that? The answer is no. I mean, you cannot beyond the point. Of course, there's a constructive suggestion about the process itself. You can always onboard it. But uh, if you say that you should be completely driven by the, the charter or the commentary, that's, that's not possible. Sometimes you also have to take the hard decision knowing that it is a hard call for which you will get a, let's say, a, let's say some criticism, but you have to do it because you understand that the, the system as a whole cannot react to a change of certain magnitude beyond a point or things will collapse in its entirety. Same with bankruptcy uh, code, right? So like things have evolved, uh, how, how the definition of, of what the definition of bankruptcy is, who can bid for the companies, who can be excluded, what is the vehicle of bidding, you know, all of these things have evolved over the last four, four five years five years since the law has been live uh, i think these these things and again i think even the critics of the laws will accept that these have become better over time and you know things have stabilized i mean gst got a lot of criticism when it went live and the criticism was largely for the implementation aspect not so much for the concept of the itself i think concept even the critics are, probably have accepted that you know uh, it's it's a good concept but but if you see four five years down the line things have gone back to normal in, in several cases so you know, i think there's also an adjustment period uh which a huge huge country and india the, the multi-speed economy multi-speed country right like the different cities uh, in fact i meet a lot of foreign delegates here in my job and one people who have lived in the in, in, in india in the past always always remark that they find india a country of humongous contradictions so some, some parts may look like europe some parts may not look you know look like a very poor place uh, so they also keep asking this question saying how you know how, how difficult it is to get things done in india when when there are there's so much internal contradiction uh, and contradiction not because it's intended that way it's just the nature of how the country has evolved and how, how we are growing that the growth will tend to be uneven unfortunately uh, until it kind of levels off across different uh, parts of the country or different uh, segments of the society so i think that uh, in, in in that sense the the feedback is welcome but uh, the i think the practicality and the implementability aspect cannot be dismissed uh, which is very easy to dismiss say, on social media i mean if you write three tweets and something doesn't happen after a week you can say that this has failed because my suggestions were not onboarded right. but it's a i mean it's not that the three suggestions are uh, were not known or not accounted for but of course we you know at every stage the government cannot come and clarify that hey, i have not done this because of xyz reason there's, there's an aggregate you have, to, you have to also assess things in aggregate you cannot assess things at a line item level saying only 83 percent of what i said has gone through you do, you do look at the larger picture saying okay a lot of what I intended or what I suggested has happened or, or, or not happened.
yeah as they say you know amateur amateurs talk about strategy and professionals talk about the logistics right and and the sheer amount of political capital required to sort of engineer this change also is uh, is some sometimes underrated i feel right uh, you know can we talk a little more about your role specifically right uh, at the world trade organization you know how does it relate with other international organizations and uh, you know what is the significance of this role so uh, i mean the role itself is actually not very well understood by uh, i think it's, it's a bit of a bane of my life uh, you know when i was in consulting you know my kids would ask what do you do and it's very difficult for a consultant to to tell to anyone what do you do right like if i say i advise i, I give advice to people then people would say then why why would, why would anyone pay, pay up for that right <laughs> people are giving advice all the time <laughs> so i, I think uh, it's the same situation here the, the role is not very well understood at least in my my own family social circles but the wto the world trade organization has got missions from all countries which represent their respective countries uh, each mission has got multiple officers and there's a role called counselor in, in every mission so the idea of this role is that you track and work on uh, specific aspects of multilateral trade negotiations in my case it's called the non agricultural market access or nama all the policy discussions which happen in the multi forum with respect to the market access which india offers or india wants to get or india aspires to get in other countries i think the the negotiations which happen at in the, at a multilateral rule making level i think those is that that is the area that i handle there are other counselors who look at service aspects the services trade or the agriculture trade so there are three counselors in the indian mission most mostly all missions have got those roles i stress the word multilateral because the the role is not a bilateral role so for example i mean if there was a specific need to have a having a discussion let's say a, with a country you know for for a given commodity or a given part of trade that's that won't fall under my purview or or anyone's purview in in any other mission not just in the mission but in general that's how the multilateral talks are stuck so this is at a macro uh, rule making level uh, which is which is which applies uh, collectively and and not individually of course if there are individual problems for example if let's say indian traders or exporters are facing some issue in let's say a specific country and it's a systemic issue by issue i don't mean a individual transaction going bad by issue i mean if there's a country which is barring uh, let's say access to indian exporters to 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 their market Uh, in, in a systemic way, and that can be done through the use of, let's say, non-tariff barriers like uh, technical barriers to trade, or in case of agriculture, sanitary measures, phytosanitary measures. It could be uh, through uh, delaying trade facilitating measures. So there are several ways in which countries uh, impose non-tariff barriers. But if it's being done in a systematic way, uh, which is hurting Indian interests, that can be raised in, in a in a in a bilateral manner in some of the wto forums but in terms of negotiation for market access in in a, in a bilateral context that that's not really the job that any of the mission uh, officials in the mission so it's a little complex i mean uh, the the difference between bilateral and multilateral is has to be understood clearly but uh, to a to a layman it's it's it, it may be difficult and I, i face this problem all the time at least in my my social circles because people assume that you know you uh, everything to do with trade would be uh, would, would would be like my personal responsibility which is not the case uh, and since you interact with delegates from many other countries right uh, i have to ask you know what is the impression that you get uh, when you talk to these folks right i mean what do they think about india i think uh, one thing people who have lived in india uh, and there are quite a few i mean i've met a lot of people who have lived in india in the past i think they have they are almost always positive i mean i've not heard people who have experienced the life in india they I also understand firsthand the difficulties. So even if they don't necessarily sympathize with our negotiation position on some topic, they know 
what our point of view is and where is it coming from so i think there is a lot more let's say goodwill and sympathy for people who understand india there is also a set of people who have not been to india so uh, they, they they sometimes don't understand the complexity and uh, the the various issues that our society faces or our country faces uh, but they they are generally open to listening uh, they in fact quite curious i think one one thing across the board is that people want to hear more from india they want to understand what our points of view are why why we say what we say uh i think some of the stories around uh say vaccination the speed of vaccination uh you know billion doses i think some of that is like really eye popping for for people i i've heard uh you know people joke that uh, maybe like there have been situations where people have remarked in a city or in a country they took months to do 3 4 5 million vaccinations and they were, they were amazed to know that you know india has been able to manage a billion over a year i mean less than a year so i think some uh, uh, the the scale the, the the talk about digital payments is always i mean i have been writing about it also i think i've written two three articles in the last 4 5 months but uh, i i mean it's, it's actually quite interesting because when you show and i have shown people like uh, you know i've actually shown the use of upi uh, setting setting on setting here you know saying this is how you move money and people are amazed that okay you know i i i show them by transferring to my own account or to my you know wife's account and people are just amazed to know that oh you know this is it i mean it's done i said yeah it's done i mean it takes like literally less than a minute while uh, while in most countries you know kind of those kind of things take take a while so people are not uh, people are always uh, amused to know that a lot of good things are happening which is contrary to what their you know the base expectation would be for for uh, how how india is generally perceived so i think uh, there's a there's a lot of goodwill there's a lot of curiosity and the more you talk Uh, about what's happening the more good parts that you communicate uh, people do appreciate that uh, all the time and there are a lot of questions also around like countries which have got specific interests of, uh, like manufacturing or services trade they of course have more specific questions around different sectors part of the economy so i think it's good to have that conversation and 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 to educate people about what's what's happening back in india and staying on the perception question right how much of it is being built by uh, media you know uh, do we uh, underestimate or overestimate the amount of uh, impact that something like an economist or a new york uh, new york times or washington post has on these folks i mean in their in terms of their understanding of what uh, india is like yeah, that's a great question kali i have also tried to grapple with that and i also tried to explore that a little bit at my since so far has been that barring the covid wave two stories where i think things i think those pictures which were put out in terms of burning you know fires and uh, i think some of that yes i think that those questions do come up but i have not seen a negative commentary otherwise i think barring in that one limited context of the india's handling of wave two and i think to be fair people also see the vaccination story although that may not we may not appreciate it necessarily but like when you when you tell them and like i have shown coven for example like one guy asked me saying can you send me the link to coven i will i will send it back to the capital saying this is how india is tracking while we are failing to track a few million india is tracking a large number on our digital platform so i think those stories are also there i mean people do appreciate the good part also but yes i mean i think the 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 wave two was uh, of covid was certainly one area which was seen in a very different negative light by all of people individually and i'm guessing that that's because of the media commentary which which they saw right and covid changed everything in terms of uh, geopolitics international diplomacy foreign trade everything right okay. we've spoken on multiple episodes before on these shifts that are that are happening at the global level so you know i mean you are sitting at the intersection of this like foreign uh, trade and diplomacy and economy and everything right uh, can you give us some insight in terms of how some of these countries are coming together to deal with a post covid world yeah uh, i think uh, i think these actions are quite 
quite deliberate from all the countries in the sense that they they do have a fair cohesion around their foreign policy trade their their domestic ambition in terms of what they want to do on industrialization self sufficiency front uh, like what we call atmanirbhar bharat i think equivalent of those initiatives are being done by many countries they, they may not just call it that way or they may not characterize it that deeply in, in terms of uh, uh, national symbolism but uh, i think that those those processes are very much on and uh, i think most countries do realize that at the end of the day while globalization has got its benefits uh, the, the 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 ill effects or the downsides should also be well understood that uh, when everything is globalized then there could be certain issues in terms of you know whenever whenever a tail event strikes a tail event like pandemic strikes there could be certain negative consequences of uh, let's say being reliant on something for some other country so i think that is a theme which i see constantly i think every country kind of says it directly or indirectly of course even the actions are well known in many cases uh, even the developed countries are talking about reindustrialization and bringing back manufacturing jobs uh, you know investing more in their own countries protecting their industries from global vagaries so i think some of these themes are not necessarily spoken about in the same language that we do but it's a it's a very common sentiment uh, in the globe today across the globe yes i mean pandemic has of course you know made uh, people very wary around uh, the 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 consequences of of uh, these events uh, which i think uh, maybe of course you know the, the, the way the globalization started in 90s early 90s i mean this wave of globalization rather started in 90s there was almost an assumption that they cannot be anything which can be undone i mean it, it was like a one way street right so all the assumptions which were modeled into into business into international travel tourism i think those assumptions were essentially one way assumptions saying none of this will ever get rolled back so it's also a painful process for countries which are far too dependent on external markets or other countries it's also a very painful process so smaller countries do bear a brunt when uh, let's say borders are closed and you know you know i also hear stories like even on covid for example you know i i hear stories which if that was to happen in india uh, god knows what the reaction would be right so like stories around how uh, like i mean i'm not going to name any country but like someone told me that in their country there's a uh, government is discouraging travel by putting a 14 day mandatory quarantine after you come in including anyone including own citizens and i think at the, at one point there was a rule that if there were four family members they had to book four different hotel rooms even the family oh. members couldn't stay in the same so essentially the cost of travel was made so prohibitive that no one would actually travel internationally right so that was one way to kind of contain covid so yeah i think governments uh, around the world have had uh, have taken what would typically be seen as bizarre decisions or or difficult decisions in in, in normal times to to respond to the pandemic and covid has also made india's role a lot more prominent in the world of geopolitics right uh, i think shrimoy talukdar mentioned on one of the episodes that we now have a seat at the table uh, that's indisputable right and uh, you know and multiple factors to this one is uh, the whole dehyphenization of you know india and pakistan for instance right or uh, the the quad alliance that is happening and uh, plenty of other things around that right uh, so do you see that as well yeah i mean uh, i think people always understand that india is a large country we have our own points of view our own compulsions our own policy positions and i think that's well recognized i think what covid has done is of course that uh, the the stories of resilience at a scale right that can be talked about much more forcefully and i said like the vaccination story or uh, the the lead which we took on the ip waiver for vaccines and wto uh, i think that's those discussions have been ongoing i think some of those elements bring out the the role more prominently and uh, you know as you don't think anyone is begrudging I, I, again it's probably driven by more, more by like what you read in media and social media i think 
like the the officials that I talked to, no one has ever for you know, no one has said no to meet meeting me, right? I mean, it's not no one is saying that oh, you know, we want to ignore India. If if you go and ask someone, they will always go and you know, they'll always want to meet to meet you and talk to you or want to understand your points of view. So in that sense, I've not seen anything negative in this. I mean, you know, the, when you characterize it as pandemic has made things more much more positive. Uh, I, I just want to be con- you know cautious in saying that I don't think things were that negative to start off in terms of how India's role was being perceived. Of course, specific actions have uh, highlighted our uh, our strengths, and I think that's a good part. But but I think people are generally quite open to to engaging with us and 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 uh, understanding our our uh, points of view. Okay, uh, one question in general on the economy, right? I mean, multiple factors uh, indicate that you know an economic recovery is in full swing. Whether it's the GST collections or the export numbers uh, or even the amount of business uh, uh, that we did on Diwali, for example, right? I mean, one point two five trillion rupees. Your thoughts on you know uh, what things will look like going further for the next one or two years leading up to twenty twenty four. I think the uh, the near term economic parameters all look very strong. I guess you know you've been discussing this on weekly as well with Niravan Prasanna lately, and uh, I had also done a couple of articles on on this theme. The the short term indicators all look very strong. I think the pandemic affords or offers an opportunity to make fundamental shifts in the way uh, our own economy is configured, right? So through the production link incentives, we are trying to create much more manufacturing, much bigger manufacturing base in India. The exports have done very well, uh, you know, since March. Of course, there's a value versus volume expansion there, so the value is also increased, volume is also increased. So we need to ensure that volume keeps up even when the prices stabilize globally, right? So I think that that consideration is there. I mean, I think I'm pretty optimistic about how things are. Uh, I, I'm generally optimistic, but uh, especially in the in the last year or so how things have panned out a uh, lot of the reforms are coming together in terms of the classic j curve right and in uh, in terms of pushing things making things more formal increasing the efficiency in the economy in general uh, the labor getting more formalized infrastructure spending the the plans around the national modernization pipeline or the national infrastructure pipeline the 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 new the, the capex investments which not just the central government but even the states are doing right so just today there was a story that seven states have met their capex target for the last quarter and they are being allowed to borrow more uh, as per one of the announcements which were made as part of the atmanirbhar bharat uh, package last year so a lot of these things reforms the the, the central uh, state actions together coordinated actions they are all coming together and i i feel that i think uh, uh, you know the the near term and near term i mean the next 2 3 years uh, the the picture should be fairly fairly positive and fairly bright and also there's a chance to not just grow you know in a in a mathematical sense but also reconfigure the parts of the economy where you can fill in some of the gaps which have been there especially on the manufacturing and industrialization industrialization side all right uh, since you've been away for quite some time right i hope you've been keeping up on uh, some of the episodes that we're producing right so what are some of your favorites among the recent ones i think i know i've been quite uh, intrigued by velina's uh, the, uh, you know the, maybe we should call it we should call it vishwarthan or other <laughs> <laughs> you know the velinas episodes i think they are quite interesting uh, in, in terms of the geopolitics and of course it, it is also the coincidence that it now concerns my work more personally so you know it's it's always good to get different perspectives of how the the more macro global picture is evolving and uh, it also gives me a lot of let's say good insights to talk to the other diplomats when i meet them here uh, in, in in terms of sharing my view or forming my view if not sharing but at least forming a world view of my own the uh, the other part is i mean i i i usually read, used to read a, in fact you can see a bookshelf behind me which is completely empty because my books from india my shift from india has not not arrived whatever i have shipped here which include books so i'm actually quite reliant on youtube at the stage to consume most of my content so in that sense yes i have completely not just kept up with bharat varta but practically a lot of other uh, video content 
because uh, I don't have much more to read uh, beyond uh, beyond the videos. So yes, uh, I think uh, great great information, uh, Carrie. And I think the, the weekly has also gone gone to an hour, so you need to budget more time on Sunday now. Yeah, it's about 30 minutes. Uh, you are doing an hour now almost. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, it's become a lot more lively and engaging. Uh, right and uh, yeah actually this was a fantastic chat uh, it was great catching up with you and uh, hopefully we'll have you soon uh, on another podcast uh, you know discussing some of the updates uh, uh, from your end right and thank you so much for being on the podcast thanks kali great to be back thank you for tuning in to this episode of the bharat vartha podcast if you want to see more content like this then don't forget to subscribe to our channel we started bharat vartha to facilitate long form discussions on politics policy and culture We don't necessarily endorse anything that was said in this episode. If you wish to offer us feedback, do reach out to us on social media. We are at Bharatvartha on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You could also get in touch with us on our website www.bharatvartha.in. The links are in the description below. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and jai.